Hello, everyone, and welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Today, we're going to talk about risk management, uh, specifically about insurance. Uh, we'll also spend a few minutes on just some of the other strategies that we employ to mitigate and manage risk. Our primary conversation, though, today is going to be about insurance. As always, if you have questions, please shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And don't forget to stop by the Learning Center at marapolling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. We have lots of great information there, uh, links to uh, uh, our podcasts, which obviously you have found since you're listening to me today, as well as... Uh, uh, upcoming webinars that we have in our educational series that you can register for and copies of recorded sessions uh, that we have held uh, this uh, last year uh, that you can avail yourselves of. So as I said, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, dive in. So today's topic about risk management and insurance in particular uh, comes actually from one of our uh, clients. Uh, a couple of weeks back, a uh, nice gentleman that we have worked with for some time shot me an email and uh, asked a question essentially along the lines of 2018 uh, has been a really challenging year for the U.S., uh, whether it be uh, floods or wind damage or uh, storm surges uh, from all the uh, hurricane uh, activity uh, from earlier this year uh, or the terrible uh, wildfires that are ravaging uh, California, uh, as we speak here today, uh, there's been a great deal of um, damage uh, to property and life uh, that has been caused by these types of events. And uh, and the question was, well, how's my investment protected? Uh, I worked hard for this money, and uh, and I appreciate the returns I get and the stability of the performance of uh, multifamily real estate over time, but how am I actually protected from these kinds of things that might occur uh, to the uh, to the investments I've made? So it's a great question, uh, and one that not only did I answer for him and uh, and our other clients, uh, we shared that answer with, but uh, thought it would be a great topic for us to chat about uh, today. So uh, again, as with all the commentary we have, uh, our answers and conversations. Uh, pertain to the assets that we invest in at Mara Polling. If you'd like to learn more about those, uh, please reach out to me again, pat at marapolling.com. I'd be happy to chat with you about uh, joining our little family and uh, becoming one of our uh, clients and benefiting from the uh, full investment strategies that we deploy. Uh, and if you own a few assets yourself, maybe you own a duplex or a couple of fourplexes or something along those lines, uh, probably 90% of what we talk about is applicable to uh, to you in your particular situation. And I would be happy to chat with you as well uh, if you have any questions. So with that, let's, um, let's dive in. So there's a, a number of different things that um, you can do and that we do to um, address risk. And uh, we do that certainly with insurance and we'll talk about that here in a minute. 
I'm going to talk first about the things we do above and beyond simply having an insurance policy. Insurance policies are great, and we can also help those insurance policies do their job better uh, by making some smart decisions along the way. So we've talked previously about our focus on Class B assets, uh, the Goldilocks class. We like it for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is we believe the uh, stability of Class B over time, especially throughout the entire economic cycle, uh, provides some uh, risk mitigation uh, compared to Class A or Class C or other potential kinds of uh, commercial investments and certainly uh, the, the more uh, compared to the more volatile investments in things like the stock market uh, and the like. And I know that sort of risk management doesn't relate to these uh, natural disasters, if you will. Um, it is an area though where we where we look to mitigate risk. We do position these in uh, markets and submarkets that have a number of characteristics and we would include in those characteristics what type of potential natural disasters, uh, weather events in particular, uh, that we might be exposed to. So uh, purchasing an asset, investing in an asset that's in hurricane country, that doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It simply means that your underwriting process uh, needs to take into account the likelihood of that type of event occurring and what the operational response would be to managing through that environment. Uh, the same if you are in uh, earthquake country or if you're in, uh, again, wildfire country as uh, uh, California and the West, uh, unfortunately, is experiencing more and more often. Uh, where we are in Texas, uh, knock on wood, uh, we're quite fortunate uh, in the Texas Triangle uh, that we don't have a great deal of exposure to hurricane damage. Uh, there can be some. Uh, Houston, most notably, uh, a couple of years back, uh, had uh, some significant damage from um, Harvey um, uh, and has, uh, no pun intended, weathered that storm uh, and is recovering quite well. The assets we have, the investments we have uh, in Houston have continued to perform well, again, because they were acquired with uh, that mindset that that was uh, potential exposure. Um, our northern Texas assets uh, have less exposure there. Uh, there can be some wind exposure. Um, we're not quite in Tornado Alley, but we're a little closer to it. Um, hail is a fairly, uh, a more common experience. I won't say fairly common, but it's a more uh, common experience. And, uh, and again, that is something that we address not only in our insurance policies, but in terms of the way we had, um, operate um, assets, uh, for example, uh, offering or providing covered parking uh, to our tenants would be an example of, um, of that. Um, uh, the way you manage day-to-day -day operations, the amount of capital reserves you set aside, all of those are things that can help you uh, manage through these kind of events. Clearly, the most significant portion of that risk management strategy is uh, having an appropriate uh, insurance policy. And that starts with having uh, a very uh, capable and competent member of the team to address risk management. Uh, when we look to acquire an asset, uh, we look to bring on a great number of professionals that can help us, whether it be our regulatory folks, the 
legal team that we work with, the transactional uh, legal team, uh, our operational uh, partners, the uh, professional uh, contracting teams that we'll work with to execute our uh, capital improvements, uh, our uh, lending partners, and we do think of lenders as partners, um, uh, and uh, our risk management partners, our, our insurance uh, teammates. And uh, part of what we will do for each asset is sit with them during the acquisition phase and discuss the various items that, uh, that we just touched upon uh, and lay out a, a strategy for how we, not only from an operational standpoint, uh, could mitigate some of this, but uh, in terms of the actual insurance itself, what we need to have. So you're gonna purchase an insurance policy. Um, our policies, um, uh, are driven really by two items. One, uh, we have an expectation in terms of what coverages we'll have, and our lending partners, who, while our clientele write a very substantial check to purchase these assets, the largest check uh, is always written by the lender. And so the lender is going to have an expectation of what the policy will cover uh, and what limits you'll have and such. And uh, again, that's not a hurdle to get over. That is not a, all right, the lender wants me to have all this insurance. How can I talk them out of a bunch of this? If the lender is asking for a certain insurance coverage, uh, talk to your insurance agent and under, make sure you understand what it is they're asking for and why they are asking for that. And talk to your lender about that. If they're asking for it, there's a good reason why. Again, remember, they're writing a bigger check than anybody else. Uh, they certainly write a bigger check than what we do. Uh, and that means they've got a substantial amount of risk uh, in each of these assets. And if they're asking for a certain type of coverage, there's generally some pretty good rationale behind it. And I want to make sure I understand that. Um, we have yet to have uh, disagreements with our lending partners around insurance, because we're all on the same page in terms of wanting to make sure that we are appropriately uh, covered. So uh, we're going to have a policy. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be a, a commercial policy, obviously, for the kind of assets that we're looking at. It's going to cover uh, just general liability items, as you would expect, right? You know, the slip and fall uh, stuff and those sorts of things. Um, it's going to cover us for fire, right? Um, whether that be um, a, a major fire that might burn a portion of the property down, right? That might uh, take uh, a building offline uh, that needs to be uh, replaced um, or a small fire that might damage uh, a couple of units. Um, uh, uh, water damage um, uh, could be uh, another uh, exposure. Um, wind and hail, uh, as I mentioned, uh, that's in the markets we're at. That's one of the items that we're exposed to. Um, earthquake, we are not in uh, earthquake uh, regions and therefore uh, that's not something we um, spend as much uh, time and energy on, but that's another item to uh, discuss. Um, flooding uh, in uh, wind storms, right? So in hurricanes, uh, a significant amount of the damage is not caused by wind. Certainly there is wind damage. Uh, flooding is equal, if not uh, a larger problem. And so having appropriate coverage uh, for a flood event, right? So a river cresting sort of thing, as well as for 
you know, storm surge or storm caused uh, uh, flooding, um, the damage to outdoor uh, properties, uh, the removal of debris. Uh, you know, one thing to think about is it's not simply uh, replacing or repairing uh, damage to the to the assets, damage to the property. Uh, there can be a substantial amount of debris created uh, from a significant event uh, and making sure that you're protected from that. Um, the breakdown of equipment, if there's issues with uh, water and sewage systems uh, because, of, uh, because of some of these other events, uh, acts of terrorism, uh, you know, the, the list can be fairly lengthy in terms of what an insurance company will be willing to cover. Uh, you may or may not need all of those coverages, um, but those would be the items that you'll want to have a conversation with your risk management folks about. Um, we check those boxes uh, for our assets. Um, we're also going to, uh, in two specific areas, um, we're going to, uh, for the items I just discussed, we're going to look at being covered for the replacement cost. Uh, some of you may have listened to some of our other uh, podcasts or, or visited the Learning Center at marapolling.com and uh, watched some of our uh, webinars in which we discuss um, part of the value proposition for working with uh, Mara Polling and the kinds of investments we make is we're able to purchase assets uh, at a price per unit less than what it would cost to uh, construct those. Uh, well, if we have damage, right, uh, we have damage to a number of units and they need to be completely reconstructed, uh, that's going to cost more than what we spent to purchase and we need to have the funds to be able to um, to do that. So uh, we're covered for replacement costs. That's one of the things that we would look uh, to make sure. We also have coverage for loss of rents. Again, the value of a commercial property unlike a residential property, is not in the asset, right? It is in the rent that's generated and the net income, uh, the net operating income that's generated after you net out uh, operating expenses. If 25% of a property is unable to generate rent for six, eight, nine, 12 months, that would uh, do a substantial amount of harm to the value of the asset uh, as well as to cash flow and a number of other items. Uh, and so our uh, coverage includes loss of rents, which, um, uh, you know, it's not a moneymaker. It's, it's not a situation where it's great, we're putting money in our pocket. It is simply a way for us to be able to, um, uh, to accommodate uh, the investment uh, that people have made and provide that additional bit of protection. So all of those are the basic kind of coverages that we would look to uh, to put in place. Uh, and again, depending upon where you are in the country and, and where you would invest in a certain asset, uh, you know, we have investments that are outside of Texas that are not in our current fund. Uh, and some of them may have a slightly different uh, bit of coverage. Again, depends on where you are in terms of what you'd look at. Um, but that's the basics. Um, then we would look to have what we would uh, describe and what, a, what the a policy describes as excess liability coverage. So we've got the basic coverages for all the items that we've talked about. And you never know what's going to kind of come out of left field. And so you want to make sure that uh, there's additional protections there, again, not just for our investors and the lenders, 
um, but to make sure that um, ultimately we want to sleep well at night, right? We don't want to worry about these assets. We want to be focused on execution and performance, uh, and we don't want to be worried about every last little thing. And if something does go awry, which we're executing our plan uh, and executing well as we do, uh, we should be able to minimize any risk there. Um, but you can never get the risk down to zero. Um, and therefore, there, there may be something that comes up that extends beyond the limits of the basic policy. And so anywhere from 10 to maybe $25 million uh, in coverage is what we would look to probably add to any one asset in terms of excess uh, liability coverage so that we are uh, protected from that particular uh, standpoint. So that all sounds great, right? I've got all this wonderful coverage. Uh, so if an event happens that triggers um, a claim, uh, I've got insurance that's going to step in and, and make us whole and take care of us. And, and that's great. Uh, these policies, though, aren't free, right? We write a check every month. Uh, it can, it not can, <laughs> it is a substantial uh, cost. It needs to be included in the underwrite. Is It is a cost of doing business. It's not a, well, that'd be nice if I can afford to add it. No, it's, it's simply part of what needs to be required. And as I said, uh, have a conversation with your lender. Uh, your lender will have expectations about what you're uh, covering as, um, as well. The other cost is this, is when you do have a claim, the insurance guy is not just going to roll out there or gal and say, here's a check. Uh, they're going to say, okay, uh, we'll process your claim. And this is the deductible you owe. You're on the hook for $10,000 or $25,000 or potentially as much as $100,000, um, depending upon what uh, elements of your policy are covered in in what ways. Um, on the policies we have, generally it's ten dollars to $25,000 or something like that. Um, so you have to have that cash set aside somewhere. That's, again, one of the reasons why uh, we underwrite with a healthy amount of reserves. We encourage uh, uh, you, if you're talking to a sponsor like Mara Polling, to discuss their reserve policy, what kind of cash they keep uh, to take care of what the rainy day fund look like. And that fund is used for a lot of different things. Uh, this would be one of those items. Uh, we maintain a healthy amount of reserves uh, at the fund level uh, for all of our assets to address a number of different potential risk strategies, uh, patent deductibles being one of those. Um, and, uh, and so that's something that you need to be uh, thinking about. If you are investing on your own, uh, then that is absolutely something you need to give thought to. Uh, it's an item that we, uh, more often than not, see individual investors either skip or miss or uh, under reserve for it. And uh, yeah, it's money that's going to sit there and ideally you never use it. Uh, those It just sits as reserves and it makes a couple of percent sitting in the bank somewhere. Um, but it also protects you and th there is real value in that. And if you don't have that, then your insurance policy is not really worth what you're paying for it if you don't have the cash to be able to pay that um, uh, that deductible. Um, when you do have a claim, again, your insurance uh, partner is just that. They're a partner. They're going to come out. They're going to help you evaluate uh, what's going on with the um, asset. You will want to be in a position to move swiftly. Uh, as I said, that uh, replacement rent coverage that we have 
uh, has a time limit associated with it. And, uh, you know, you don't want to take two or three or four years to, um, to execute the uh, replacement plan. For example, again, if you had an entire uh, portion of the property that was rendered uh, uninhabitable, um, you'd want to be moving pretty quick to, um, to get it back in place. That's the most significant. If you have some hail damage or something along those lines or some contents uh, uh, that are damaged um, and need to be replaced, uh, that's most likely something that could be done uh, promptly. Um, but you want to be ready to go on all those fronts. And, uh, and when you do have an event, get the insurance folks out there uh, promptly and work with them to diligently move the, um, the ball forward. So part of sleeping well at night is investing in a quality asset, doing a uh, appropriate level of due diligence, putting an underwrite together that has the right level of reasonable slash conservative assumptions in it, being in the right markets, being in the right asset class. Uh, all of the things that we have talked about in a number of these um, sessions, as well as, again, uh, content that's on the Learning Center, um, and having an appropriate level of insurance in place uh, for that day that we hope never comes, uh, but that when it does, uh, we will know that we are covered and that we can take care of the responsibilities we have to our investors to achieve the stable, secure portion of our uh, commitment. Um, so uh, if you have questions, as I said, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Come visit us at the Learning Center at marapoling.com. Lots of great material there. Uh, we have a number of upcoming uh, webinars. I think we've got webinars on the schedule out into the first quarter of 2019. So uh, take a swing by and sign up for um, uh, for some of those. There's some uh, some great content. If you have suggestions for uh, topics that you'd love to hear us address, uh, shoot me an email. Again, pat at marapolling.com, and we'll be uh, happy to uh, add that to the queue and see what we uh, can do to make sure that we address that just as today's conversation was driven by an email question that comes from one of our uh, front of our uh, one of our nice clients so thanks again for joining us i look forward to seeing you next week on our final episode in season two uh, which we're going to talk about um, the goldilocks level of debt um, and so uh, that'll be a good one to, uh, to finish this season off on. We're then going to take a brief little break for the holidays, and we'll be back at the very beginning of January with season three. Uh, shoot us any comments you have. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you uh, don't miss out on any sessions. Uh, thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you soon on the next episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.